Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids, a podcast that steps into alternative education, parenting, and living a funner, fuller family life. I'm Robin, home educator, unschooling mom to two funny, eclectic kids, and we're here to create a space for families to listen, connect, learn from others, and be inspired. Join us every two weeks to hear interviews and tips from experts in learning, education, and parenting, and stories from families that are playing full out in the arena of life and education. World schooling, unschooling, alternative schooling, homeschooling, or just creating a whole new style of learning. Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. My name is Robin Robertson, and yes, I am the host and creator of this podcast. And I'm also a home educating, actually an unschooling mom to two kids. And this journey has been a lifelong learning journey for sure. We have started home educating actually over nine years ago, and we continue each year. We take it day by day, year by year, and it has been an extreme learning adventure. We've definitely had fun. We've had our struggles. We've had our, you know, everything really that you would go through as a family, as a parent, as kids, and in this new learning path that we're forging for ourselves really in more ways than one. So this podcast is here to support you, mother, father, grandma, grandpa, aunts, uncles, or those that are individual learners that are looking for other ideas or pathways so that you can learn, you can gain resources and information, and you can be inspired. And we're here because I feel that stories like these ones that we share on the show are extremely important to hear, and we need to hear more of them because there are families living a unique learning life, a connected and joyful learning life outside of the walls of the classroom in an environment that looks nothing like the structure of school. And we might not always hear it regularly in the regular news reports, but they are out there. So this podcast is a platform to spread the inspiration, spread those stories and share ideas and information and support community. So today's episode, we continue with our wonderful dive into de-schooling. And today's episode is a recording from our my club on Clubhouse, on the Clubhouse app. My club is called Honey, I'm Homeschooling Club, and I will tag it. I'll put it in the show notes so you can just click the link. But we meet weekly. We actually meet four times a week. I... Uh, run rooms. I host rooms Tuesday at 4 p.m. Mountain Time and Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Mountain Time. Uh, And then there are other rooms that Kelly Edwards from 90 Minute School Day and Leanna Francisco host on Mondays. Leanna hosts with me on Saturdays and Allison Towner hosts on Thursday afternoons at 1 p.m. Mountain Time. I got to I had to remember all my time zones. So definitely tune in, check us out, and if you want to be part of some great group discussions, that's the time to be there. So this episode I'm sharing is from a Tuesday night room that we started beginning of December, end of November. It's two parts, and this one actually features myself as well as unschooling mom Tyra Hunter, who's a regular co-host with me on Tuesdays. Missy Willis, who is a past podcast guest, an unschooling mom to two, um, and a retired educator as well. And as well, Erica Kesselman. And Erica is a conscious parenting coach and an unschooling mom to three. 
So there was some amazing insight and sharing, and this episode is actually called, this Clubhouse episode episode was Conscious Parenting, Reflection, and De-Schooling. So yes, it fits with this season of exploring and getting deeper into the de-schooling process. I'll put as much as I can in the show notes. And as well, don't forget that on Clubhouse, Kelly Edwards and I will be running our second How to Be an Awesome Homeschooler Summit. So you can go to that website to sign up. It is a free summit. It runs for one full day. We have some amazing keynote speakers, Ainsley Arment from Wild and Free, for example, Karen Ricks as well, myself, Kelly Edwards as well from the 90-minute school day, and we have a third one that I'm just finishing confirming. So tune in. It, It will be a fantastic day of insight and information and encouragement too. And enjoy this episode. Welcome everyone. I'm just, we're just opening the room and we're just going to give a moment or two for the rest of our co-host to join today, Tyra Hunter and Missy Willis and Erica Kesselman. Great to see everybody. Um, So if you don't already know me, my name is Robin Robertson and I am the host and creator of the podcast, Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. Hi, Tyra. Hi. And... Great. I'm just doing a quick introduction for those that are already here. Um, and yeah, the club is also the namesake from the podcast. And the biggest thing about this club and the podcast is to offer inspiration, community, answer questions, but also to tell the stories of families that are creating their own unique learning journeys, because I think often we don't hear those stories often enough. We hear about the classroom or the very traditional journey and how it um, maybe sometimes the struggles or sometimes the successes, but it's rarely, more so now, but rarely that we hear about those stories outside of the classroom walls. They do happen. They actually happen quite often and more and more so now, especially as homeschooling and unschooling is growing and um, the stories deserve to be told. And also by hearing other stories, we learn a lot about our own story as well. So that's why we're here. That's why the podcast is here. The Clubhouse Room is here. And um, it also offers a platform to, you know, talk about those things that we go through, to ask those questions, to understand that we're not alone as well. So welcome. Today we're talking about conscious parenting, reflection, and the de-schooling process. The de-schooling process is a huge part of this journey as well. And Um, It's something you'll probably hear us say many times that it's an ongoing process. It doesn't start and end within the first year or within two years or within the first month. It's something that is um, continuous. And today, a big part of it is not just re-examining how we learn and the learning environment. It's also how we live. And many times that's how we parent as well. So um, that's going to be the Uh, conversation that we're diving into today. I'm going to pass the mic over and let everyone else introduce themselves. I'll also go in the back and make sure everyone's the moderators. I just want to let you know that we are here for about an hour and 15 minutes today. We will bring anyone up that has questions after about the first 30 minutes. Um, So after about 30 minutes, you can tap the raise your hand button, come up to ask any questions. If you're not comfortable coming up, that's all good. You can also send a message to us in the back chat, that little airplane looking thing in the bottom corner. Just tap that and send a message to 
myself or to Tyra, to Erica or to Missy, and we can answer your questions while we're on stage. So welcome, Tyra. Welcome, Erica. Welcome, Missy. I'm excited. Uh, I'm going to pass the mic to Tyra and then to Erica and then to Missy. You guys can introduce yourselves. And while you do that, I'll make you moderators. Thank you, Robin. And you beat me here. <laughs> I know. I was just telling my husband, I'm like, Tyra's usually there before me. <laughs> this is different. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good to hear from you. Uh, it's, uh, hi, Erica. And hi, Missy. Um, hello, everyone. I'm Tyra, and I started my homeschooling journey about eight and a half years ago. And I tell you, without de-schooling, oh my goodness, it uh, de-schooling is such a major part of us tr uh, transitioning from uh, regular homeschooling, I mean, traditional homeschooling, to unschooling that worked best for my daughter. I owe it all to de-schooling. Um, it is a one. It is a process that I feel everybody has to go through. So, you know, when Robin said that this is what we'll be talking about, I'm I'm ready because this is my jam. <laughs> Thanks, Tyra. Thanks, Robin. Thank you for having me, everyone. Hi, Missy. I'm so happy to be here. Um, yeah, I've uh, I'm a homeschooling, unschooling mom of three little ones. So we've been at this for three years now. I have a two, five, and seven-year-old. And as a conscious parent, a recently certified conscious parent coach, former homeschooling coach, um, I was so excited about this topic and here to share this connection between conscious parenting and reflection and how it really helps and is actually quite necessary in this de-schooling process. So thank you for having me. I look forward to this conversation. Welcome, Erica. Welcome, Tyra. Missy, we're handing it. Hello. I, can you hear me okay? I, I rushed in here and threw yes. my headphones on. Okay, good. So hi, everybody. This is um, uh, a fun, fun topic for me to talk about. So I'm thankful to be a part of it. I have two children. My oldest is 19, and he officially graduated from our homeschool this year. My daughter is 14. And we have been unschooling for probably 13 years. My son led us to unschooling, even though I saw it going on around us. There was that teacher hat side of me that was thinking that, no, I'm a teacher. I have things I need to teach. And, um, and I have, you know, the, the, the degree to back it up. And therefore, you know, I, I understand what to do. And you're the child and I'm supposed to give you all the information. And he quickly let me know that that was kind of foolish and cocky. And uh, so we, so I backed off and had to go through quite a bit of de-schooling myself, which I didn't know at the time that was the term. And it's a process, as um, Tyra mentioned. It's not something that's just a one-and-done thing. It's it's a, a consistent peaks and valleys. And sometimes you think you're you've you've mastered the de-schooling, and then something happens, and you start comparing yourself to others and your neighbor's daughter's friend got into college and got a full ride. And then you start going, oh my gosh, you know, am I failing my children? Um, so yeah, I'm happy to be part of this conversation. So I look forward to answering your questions and just getting into it. Okay, fantastic. Um, so I thought actually first we can start with talking about just what is de-schooling and why is it important? Maybe each one of you can answer that you know, why is de-schooling, what is de-schooling and why has it been important to your process? And maybe two big key factors that have helped you um, shift, I think, and then helped 
your family in the end because of that shift through de-schooling. So um, maybe we'll start, we'll go back the other way around. We'll start with you, Missy, and then we'll go to, go to Erica and Tyra. Okay, so the two key factors that I might need to think about for a minute, but no while problem. I'm talking, maybe it'll just pop. <laughs> you don't even have to give Maybe it'll pop two. through. Yeah, it could be one. That's no problem. Okay. <laughs> well, I will, <laughs> I will say I think the de-schooling process is difficult for a majority of us because we have been so ingrained in the idea that school is what you do. It's the order of things. Your family, your parents did it. Their parents did it. You know, your your friends are doing it, and so it, it's ingrained. It's also very praised. The whole idea of school and sending your kids to school is praised, as well as I have seen for sure as being somebody who was also in the schools for a while. Um, it's romanticized. You know, the beginning of the school year, getting all the kids ready and excited, and it's a new year, it's new new you, and we have. And I've termed it school think because we what I have seen over the years is that unschooling has a completely different feel to it when it relates to education, whereas school think has a completely different feel to it. And whereas I see unschooling as the ability to sort of flow through your day and customize and be intentional, take breaks, rest, and look at each child as the unique individual that they are, School is very much about the group and about uh, standardization and order and staying within the parameters that are created by a board and maybe even the curriculum and or the school itself, whereas the families have so much more flexibility. So we're up against a behemoth, quite frankly, when it comes to the school system and having us believe that this is the only way to go. Um, I would say the one big factor that helped sort of knock me off of that track is my child and looking at how our relationship was being affected by the belief that I had that he must do the following things because now he's a certain age and therefore this, you know, arbitrary list of of skills was created and and he needed to do those now even though in front of me was this flourishing, happy, joyful human who was listening to his body regularly. He was resting when he needed to. He was eating when he needed to. And yet I thought, okay, you're now this age and therefore we must start doing these things. And there was pushback. And a couple of times there'd be like a look. He would just give me like, well, who are you? <laughs> and where did this woman come from who has been like completely cool about things up until a certain point? And now we have to do, we have to sit down and do these things. So he was the one that led me to really, really investigate what was happening within me and how I needed to retool. Um, and his sister has had the luxury, if you will, of being unschooled completely because once I got my act together and recognized that we were doing just fine without all of these specific curriculum and skills list, then um, I would say my son was around six and her, his, his sister is five, four and a half years younger. So she was pretty much unschooled from the beginning. That's what I can think of right now. So I will turn it over to Erica. Thanks, Missy. Um, great point about how this has been 
school, the idea of school, the philosophy and how we go about approaching academics and is so ingrained in our culture and our society. So that's absolutely so true. And thank you for sharing some personal stories there too. Um, you know, for me, what de-schooling is, is about really reclaiming our inner wisdom and our inner trust. Because for me, it's been, it's important because it's allowing us to create a more secure attachment with ourselves. So instead of, as you have spoken about, as we know that, you know, this traditional school model is creating a learner and expecting that learning, learning has to be done in a particular way, creating, you know, the citizen who is obedient and subservient and it's served its purpose for starting with the industrial revolution. Now it's not serving us any longer. And yeah, so for me, it's really about that, um, tuning into our own inner trust. And it's so important because, um, it just provides the conditions for us to develop a more secure sense of self and who we are and a high sense of self-worth. Um, so, you know, in our culture, society, like learning, we just believe it's in our blood and in our veins that learning has to be in a specific way. Um, so there's no fault there at all. I, I don't want to share um, any sentiments of any, any blame or shame here for where you're at in your journey. Certainly I, as a previous um, public school educator and somebody who went through the public school system, I believe that that was how we learned as well. And that was part of the process of growing up and getting a job and becoming a global citizen. But I think things have just shifted so much, right? Learning doesn't have to be in a specific way. Instead of believing that it has to be, you know, material has to be presented to us and we receive information um, from that hierarchical figure, from the teacher, from the authority figure. And just because we heard it and we passed the test means we learned something, um, you know, particularly with academics, right? Thinking that that standardization approach of when we're in kindergarten, when we're in first grade and by then we should be learning how to read. And if we're not reading by second, third grade, then maybe something's wrong. We have a learning disability, but that perception of learning just doesn't make sense. Um, and it could really be damaging to a child's development and their sense of self-security and their sense of self-worth. So, um, yeah, the understanding that we learn in this more top-down teacher-driven way is, is just not serving us anymore, right? Because too, I'm thinking about our spirit and our willfulness, like the beauty that comes from our inner creativity, our inner genius, our inner wisdom is really quite stifled um, and squashed just for the sake of being that good boy or, boy or girl and making the grade and passing the test, being the citizen who follows the rules without fear. And, but that's preventing us, I think, from really trusting ourselves and capitalizing on our own creativities, our own inquisitiveness. So then instead of, you know, questioning and researching and, and getting investigative, um, we're kind of just sometimes, um, moving with blind obedience. Um, and yeah, learning is just so much more complex and so much more integrated than that. Um, as, as everybody here might 
might know that we're such com- we're such a complex species. There's so much beneath just our behaviors, and learning is um, has to be so multidimensional and multisensory. We don't just learn in one particular way, or it's not linear. So we want to have the ability to act the opportunity to practice skills and apply them to real world situations. Um, yeah, so it's, it's just important because it allows that space and flexibility for us to reclaim our inner wisdom there and reclaim our, our own sovereignty. Instead of giving our power away to somebody else, we kind of can tune into our own inner power and what feels good for us, our own unique geniuses and interesting gifts and talents. Um, so I love that part about the de-schooling and it's, it's so intimately connected to parenting and to just our conditioning as a society. And not to say that that's a bad thing. I think there's just growing awareness about really, um, this idea of conditioning and deconditioning the, the schooling process and unschooling, um, so I, I think these conversations are so important, and it really directly relates to our parents uh, and our parenting. Uh, we have to really look inward um, at ourselves, the relationship we ha- have with ourselves, so that we can kind of let go of the standardization and thinking that um, if our kids aren't making the grade or learning something in particular at a certain age, then that's okay. They're still worthy. They are worthy just as they are, and and so are we. Um, so for me, I think, you know, as a public school educator for so many years, um, I too, I started the homeschooling journey with that expectation and, um, yeah, just wanting to kind of cultivate the environment where, okay, my, my daughter's in kindergarten now, so let's start learning your, you know, f- do the phonics lessons and ABCs and very academic things where she just wanted to learn and, and play, learn through her through play and exploration. So I need to give myself a lot of time to look inward because it, it really started with my own reactivity, my own triggers of what, wh- you know, why I was not really just enjoying the the learning process instead of just being too focused on the end result. So for me and our family, I think it was like setting intentions was very helpful. Um, How do I want to be as a parent in relationship with myself, in relationship with my children? You know, I, instead of having the days feel rushed or feel stressed, um, I wanted in the end, I I didn't want to be that kind of person that was um, forcing my child to, to sit down and do the academics when it just, they were pushing back and saying, no, I just want to play. I wanted to, as Missy said, follow your child's lead. I wanted a relationship that was, um, that the intention was to be a mom and to be a person who was felt secure in her sense of, with her sense of self and, and looking at our values too. And, um, you know, I wanted to have a very, intimate, connected, playful, fun relationship with the kids and be that fun, playful mom and spontaneous and flexible, get out in the community. And then looking at our values as a family, you know, what did we value? We value that mutual respect, you know, respecting our kids' needs, respecting our own needs, having, respecting, um, 
knowing how important it is for, for me personally, our family to have the freedom and the connection, the communication. And, but also of course, the, the, a bit of structure and, um, you know, you need a good balance between the two, the two things, but yeah, in the end, definitely those, those two aspects has helped, um, a shift so far is setting our intentions, how I want to be in relationship with myself and with my child, and then identifying core values. So yeah, I have so much to say about this topic. Um, but I will pass it over to Tyra. Thank you. Thank you, Erica. I really enjoyed, um, I enjoyed that. Thank you. And you too, Missy. Um, a lot of the things that you said is really, um, you know, how I think and how, what I went through. I know that, um, when I started homeschooling, I knew nothing about de-schooling. I really didn't know that much about homeschooling except for, um, me looking into it and, and needing to take my child out of public school because of her depression and her being frustrated because of testing. And so <laughs> when I took her out, you know, I had this expectation of what my homeschooling journey would be like because it was going to be just like public school because, you know, that's all I knew. I know I needed to have a schedule. I needed, you know, uh, she needed to learn exactly what you need to learn when you're in the fifth grade and, um, you, you know, you got to learn at this pace and, you know, and it, and it all, it all came on me. You know, everything was like teacher led, you know, like you said, you know, Erica, teacher driven, you know, it's, this is what you got to do. And we got to do this at this time and, you know, trying to keep the schedule and then, you know, life happens <laughs> when you're at home because you're at home, you know, and things are different because it is not school. That is the one thing that I should have thought of before I started homeschooling was that homeschooling is nothing like public school. And it it, it doesn't even look like it because you're at home and, you know, and I work from home and it, it was just the first two and a half years were very frustrating and Zoe was really into her art because my husband became her art teacher. And I was like, that is, that is just a hobby you're going to have to do, you know, after we're done with school. And just one child I had all day long, we were doing something. I mean, it was just, it, those first couple of years were, were very stressful. And I, you know, and it, something had to change because my daughter, my daughter and my relationship, you know, towards each other was really bad and she was still unhappy and I wasn't happy and crying and fighting and it was just too much. And it was too much for my husband. He was like, yeah, something, we, we got to do something different. And, um, that's when I learned about de-schooling when I had like no other choice, I didn't know what else to do because she was not going back to school. And in the co-op I was in, nobody was an unschooler. Everybody, you know, was traditional. And I just, you know, found people uh, on Facebook uh, and, and different groups that I, you know, online that I was in. And I've always known about unschooling, but I thought unschooling, well, that was just, those, that's for crazy people. I, I could never do that. Oh my goodness. That's just horrible. But I was like, you know, the more I learned about it and that was just fear talking because, you know, I was homeschooling in fear, to be honest. 
because I, you know, I thought I had to be a certain way and do certain things in order for my child to be successful. And the funny thing was, I never asked my child what she wanted to do. What do you find interesting? What do you even want to learn? What, uh, it, till this day, Robin, and it's been like almost nine years, I look back on that and just was, you know, just want to smack myself in the head like, what, what are you doing? So in the process of trying to find something that will work for all of us, especially my daughter, because I, I didn't want her to be so sad, not at home. You know, I wanted her to be happy. And uh, that's when I found out about de-schooling. And, the, you know, I never de-schooled from public school. And I realized that it was a process that I definitely had to go through. You know, once I told my daughter that we were going to just stop doing what was not working finally and try to move on to something else that would be and would give her more freedom, that was it for her. She never looked back. Me, you know, she was like, oh, really? Her mind shift was like immediate. Mine, my mind, you know, my mind shift did not happen immediately. So, you know, de-schooling uh, uh, is definitely a process that you, ha- that is it like an adjustment period because you know, that's all I knew all my life was school, school. I was very high achieving in school, you know, from grade school, from preschool. You know, that's, you know, you got to have the schedule. You got to take this and do that in order to be successful. My daughter was not that. I was all structure, structure, structure. My daughter was not that. And I had to ask myself, this is, you know, uh, was it working? forcing my child to learn certain things or can she learn on her own can she learn naturally what she wants to you know i i had to move forward and i had to trust myself i can't remember who had talked about trusting yourself is i had to trust myself as as well as my daughter trust my daughter first because i realized that i didn't trust my daughter to out of my sight that's really <laughs> and so I didn't trust her. I felt like, oh, well, if she is in control of her learning, then she's not going to learn nothing. <laughs> she needs me. You know, I, that's that. I think that's <laughs> Yes. That's that. You know, that's from being in public school and thinking that, oh, your child can't really learn until the teacher teaches them, until the teacher says, this is what you need to learn. I bet probably that's how I grew up. That's how all I knew. But it didn't work for my daughter. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I never met anybody like my daughter. So I didn't know what to do. So in that de-schooling period, that de-schooling period was for me. Zoe was already there. De-schooling was for me because, and it, and it, you know, like Robin said, it could take a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Mine took, <laughs> I'm, I'm, it took years. I'm not going to lie. You know, and each year that fear came up, am I doing enough or my daughter's going to fail? Each year that thought, you know, it, it, it didn't happen back to back to back. It may like uh, six months later, I may see something on TV and I'll go to my daughter. And this is and it's so funny, Robin, because this is Zoe. 
I would go to our daughter, my daughter and I would just talk and ha- tell her about what I think she should do and all this. And she would just let me. And she'd be like, okay, mom, do you feel better? And then she'd go and do what she wanted. <laughs> I mean, it's like my daughter was, It. I, I, I don't know why it took me so long. I put it to you like that. Um, but because we're human, I <laughs> know. Oh, but Robin, it's ridiculous that because I was looking at what was happening when she was free to be, you know, free to pursue her her passion, free to pursue, like Erica said, her genius. You know, I thought I was the only one that calls that their genius, but found somebody else who calls that too. Zoe was showing me her genius, and I didn't look at it. I did not give her genius the validation that it needed. She had already validated that, you know, my genius is it. This is me. This is what I'm going to do at a very young age. I had to catch up to her on her journey. You know, I, and so she was the driver. I was just a passenger. I, I felt like I was the assistant but I was a facilitator, a glorified assistant. So I say I'm, I'm a facilitator because it was like, I need this and this and this, mom. So I got to learn this. And Zoe just knew. I mean, it's like uh, a switch went off when I told her that, you know, I, I gave her that freedom. I think I told Robin this, that she went from schedule from nine to four to the next morning. And this is the truth. She woke up. And I was like, Zoe, you can learn whatever you want. Whatever interests you, whatever you want to explore, go do that. And she just was like in shock. And she did that. I mean, you would think she would automatically go to some art scene. That child learned everything. I mean, it was just, it was incredible. And I went in my room and shut the door. (laughs) Because I didn't want to see... How I was failing her. I didn't, to be honest, I didn't want to see her, I guess, being free because I didn't understand it. And, you know, and if she needed to learn something, you know, if she needed me to go buy her something, you know, I mean, she's a, she's a 11, almost 12 in, in control of what she learns. It was just, I'd never seen it. I'd never been around it. And so I did help her and, you know, I go back in my room, you know, this was, this was daily. About three weeks later, she came to me and she was like, okay, now what, mama? What do I do now? And it was on tip of my tongue and always going through my mind. Well, you need to pick up, you need to do this, do that. And I didn't say that. I said, you know what? This is forever. This is forever. You are in control of what you feel is important to you for your success. You are on your own journey. So, you know. <laughs> find that out, you know, just go, you know, and, and that's when I saw her intentionally learn something. And then I became, you know, I came kind of, kind of came out of my room more and kind of was like, okay, watching her more and observing her more, you know, um, it's not like that fear was gone, but I knew that in order for me to have a better relationship with my daughter and for us to be successful, I needed, I needed to really try to, to, to be how I want, I wanted to be for her to be happy. And I wasn't, I was kind of avoiding it because I, I felt like I was failing her, but 
she needed me to trust her. And so when I showed that I did trust her, then I, you know, I became trustworthy and she trusted me. So she was able to still be on her journey, but she would, you know, I I would still give advice and guidance, of course, because that's my daughter, but she knew that I still saw her as somebody that could take care of, that could really go on her own journey without me stepping in too much. Or, you know, after a while, you know, she would tell me what she was going to do and I'd be like, okay. So that's when I knew I, I, I had, you know, let go of needing that control because that that's what made me feel good is that if I had control over what she was doing, that was, you know, to make me feel better. Like, you know, it's going to work out, but to give that to her, boy, that was hard, Robin. Uh, that was hard. So, but I look back now, you know, she's graduated now. She's a professional artist and, you know, those six years of, <laughs> of freedom and the, and the freedom to just explore what she wanted to and be better at the different skills that she developed on her own. It's been amazing. And I think back, what if I didn't let, what if I had said, no, you have to do this and do that. And, you know, I was taking her on another, on a, on my path to success. And I'm so glad that I eventually came around and our relationship is, so much better. We became much closer because I, you know, I let Zoe be Zoe. And, you know, she's very thankful uh, for me for doing that and, and being there for her. And I'm still there for her. I still get up every single day. And I did this for years. Every single day, I asked her, what are you doing today? What are you exploring today? And she told me that would get her mind just to thinking. And she'd get up and that was it. And so I, I just been, I just really am thankful for de-schooling. That process was hard for me. May not be hard for other people. That was hard for me, but I'm glad that I was able to go through it because I've changed tremendously, especially when it comes even to parenting. I'm more relaxed. Um, you know, I, I didn't, you know, stress so much, but that's part of my personality. And she understood that. And that's, that's another thing is that, is that, you know, she got to know me better. I got to know her better. She understood my personality and, you know, and I definitely understood hers. And, you know, it's, I'm not saying we were perfect, but we were able to make it through. And, you know, on the other side, it's a wonderful thing because now that she's 18 and grown, that's what she says, our relationship is even stronger because now I had to learn <laughs> how to deal with another grown person in the house. So that's been a whole nother experience. That may be a room, Robin, but thanks for letting me. Well, thank you. Um, and I, I think really it, it's interesting because as you guys are speaking, you know, I take a few notes and I see there's a few hand raised and people coming up to ask questions as well. And we'll bring you up to ask those questions. Um, another part of this room as well that I also, and I think we should probably define it a little bit as well and why it's interwoven with de-schooling is conscious parenting. But before we do that, I just want to say some of the words that came up, you know, flexibility, retooling, space, wisdom, power and sovereignty, self-worth, trust, connection, worthiness, respect, intentions, values, genius, 
Um, all of that is, inter I think, are great words that support the process for sure. And I think de-schooling, you know, for anyone, I, I first was introduced when I read the book years ago, De-schooling Society by Ivan Illich. And that was the first time I think someone had introduced the concept and it was written a long time ago. Um, I can find the link. If you actually as well, at the top of the page, I'm, I'm linking, um, sharing, pinning different links that you might want to go and check out as well. So the podcast, I have an episode on de-schooling. Before I had Erica's website. Right now it is Tyra's daughter Zoe's. Um, she's she's designing a a series as well. So that's up there on Webtoons right now. And then I'll share Missy's. I can share Deschooling Society as well, the book that what that looks like. But the concept of living life and learning outside sorry, this it's noisy behind me. Um, outside of the ideas of the institution of school, the traditional institutions. Um, that learning is only within certain walls and classrooms, only done top down by by certain people. And what happens is is it's looking at learning as a very internal process, inclusive with community as well, doing it in at different times, at different stages, uh, interconnected with, instead of just separate subjects, all interspersed through different times and areas as well. And the big th thing that happens is because you're living learning in a way that's different from school, different from getting up and going to a place at a certain time and ending or maybe ending a subject at a certain time, then moving to something else, uh, waiting to be told what to do, waiting to be praised and validated by somebody else and then being able to move on from there, therefore getting your worth from that um, without and then losing trust in yourself. Um, you know, having having your space limited physically, mentally, emotionally as well. I think sometimes we go into school and come out feeling that we need to protect ourselves as well for for certain personal reasons too. And it's being able to feel safe in your space as well. Um, going back to the idea of sovereignty and power and being able to, um, you know, it, it, many times within the structure, not having the say and, and sovereignty on your own, the agency, because you're following the system. Missy's right. It's uh, usually the top down that sets the board, the government um, and administration that sets the goals and ideas for the school and schooling and division and, and, and teachers and students. So you're limited in many ways without that. So it's stepping outside of those boxes and kind of flexing your learning muscles or learning to to work those learning muscles and develop them and grow them if you've come out of the system that's been, um, that's really confined you essentially in more ways than one and practicing those, you know, learning to build those learning muscles as well. Um, those individual learning muscles for yourself as well. And for parents, it's a big thing because now we're stepping out of those boxes or stepping out of the system where many of us come from. I know Tyra, Eric, and Missy, and myself, we all grew up in school, a traditional school. Erica and Missy are educators themselves um, who taught in schools. And then it's it can be a big shift to come out of that. And then having our, our ideas as well. Uh, then it's seeing our kids not, you know, they're not waking up at a certain time. They're not doing learning through subjects. They're not doing textbooks or a certain curriculum. So it's like, well, then what do they do? You know, how are we, get, how do we get comfortable with 
allowing learning to happen in a different way than what we know it growing up as well. So there's a big shift. So then when it comes to parenting, what, um, how would, so Eric, I'll give this to you. How would you define conscious parenting? And then we'll start bringing people up because I know there's people waiting to ask questions here. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Robin. And I appreciate your share and Tyra, thank you for your share and your story here. Um, I love that you said learning muscles, developing those learning muscles and and learning how to step out of the system, step out of the box a little bit. Um, so, So conscious parenting is, and I love that we brought up the word relationship. It's really about relationship with the self, with ourselves. And it starts with that internal landscape, right? Our looking within our internal world, having greater self-awareness and understanding um, our internal safety and security. So, you know, when our triggers are really our best teachers um, our, and we're storing, we store our emotions, we store unre- un- uh, like repressed and unprocessed emotions in our bodies. So when we're feeling some kind of reactivity or shutdown, a visceral response, you're, you're yelling, you're crying over something, um, you know, your kids are really creating some kind of reactivity in you. That's the invitation to really get curious because there's some kind of unmet need that's been repressed, um, that, that needs to be kind of, unfolded and, 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 um, and investigated. So it's a relationship with ourselves because, um, you know, society has conditioned us to step out of, and that's what this is about, like the intimate connection between de-schooling and, and, um, de-schooling and deconditioning because our society really has just trained us out to trust the authority, to trust the outside, um, look outside ourselves to tell, you know, to look, look to the authority to tell us what to do and how to do it, giving our power away. So that creates the lost sense of self or the mistrust or the distrust. So conscious parenting um, invites that opportunity. And that's what I love so much about it is for just greater self-discovery and self-awareness because we're just all longing as humans, like core needs are to be understood to be understood, to have the need for, to be seen, to be heard, to be accepted. Those are core human needs. And when those needs are not met, um, they manifest them in themselves in more toxic, harmful, disconnected ways. So we disconnect from our bodies. We disconnect from our relationship with our children, with others in our environment. Um, so conscious parenting is, is really that. And we, we carry with us, obviously generations of that kind of conditions, generations of the trauma that a lot of us are just not even aware of. I myself have had so much growth and self-discovery in the past couple of years since my children have been born. They are truly our greatest, most wise teachers, um, but we have to get curious about where our beliefs come from, the conditioned belief that, um, 
you know, are children born with this inner, are we all as humans born with this inner genius and inner creativity? Are we born worthy? Are we born worthy and good and whole just as we are? Or do we um, tie our worthiness to the external things, the accolades, the achievements, the success, right? That's a very Western cultural thing too as well. Um, so yeah, it's about learning to, and it's, I, I love that word process. It is absolutely a process. I also love the word practice because, um, I know from personal experience, uh, it is a daily, that's why I like the intentions. It is a daily intentional practice of peeling away layers. And obviously if looking at it from like a polyvagal trauma informed lens and perspective, cause I, I'm like really into body, body centered therapies. And that's just because of my, how I've healed so much of, of my issues <laughs> was through body centered therapies. But looking from that lens, it's really kind of this daily practice of soothing our nervous system, healing our nervous system, rewiring all of that, um, the, the, the fact that we've been in overdrive um, for so, for so, so long. We haven't, as a culture, given ourselves the opportunity to just rest and to just be with ourselves. So there's a lot of this, this daily practice, not just up in our heads of like how we're defining learning and how we want to be in relationship with ourselves and our kids and what kind of experiences we want to expose ourselves to, how we want to navigate homeschooling by getting out in the community, but also just from the biological process of like what's going on with our bodies and how we can heal from the inside out. Um, so yeah, that for me, that was kind of a loaded answer, <laughs> so, but I will turn it over to you, Robin. <laughs> it's all good. I was going to say, Missy, you probably have something to add as well. And then we'll go to Thomas and his question too, or yeah, I, I do actually, and I want—I just want to add on to what Erica was saying about um, the patience part of parenting, and and persistence is another term that just pops up for me. That you know, this is again, like I mentioned before about deschooling, it's just a consistent, persistent practice, and it, um, it it's and and again, adding on to her discussion about the generational patterns, it's the scripts that we are given that we are very unconscious of the way we were treated as children, the, the, the ways we watched adults interact with children, all of those things becomes ingrained and, and, and part of our unconscious programming. And when we become parents, unless we are able to stop and really reflect and give ourselves some time to think about all the ways that we've created these attitudes and beliefs about what it means to be a parent, then we will just repeat patterns. It'll just be very automatic. It'll just you know, happen. And all of a sudden you're thinking, why, why am I doing the things with my children that I didn't like when I was a child? And it is in fact, when we have kids that they put, put the mirror up to us and there are impetus for taking, finally taking the time to say, I don't want to repeat those things. I want to do things differently and here's how I want to do it. And I want to be conscious about it. And I would also add, it, it's very helpful to have some practice that you 
carve out for yourself that gives you those reflection times because it's very difficult to respond in the moment unless you've given yourself the time to do the work before the moment happens. So if you're in the middle of the store and the kid, you know, loses their just loses control and 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 all and that triggers you in some way, it would be much more beneficial to your child and to yourself if you have thought about this episode prior to that moment and then you're calm and your children will feed off of your calm and steady energy versus you feeding off of their wild and uncontrolled energy. Um, So parents really can be the lighthouse for their children and they do respond to us. So if you just take a deep breath and you get down on their level and look at them in the eyes and say, you're having a hard time right now. And as parents, you're okay to say that to your kids as well. So if things are going kind of not according to plan or how things were supposed to be in your own mind, it's okay as a parent to say, I need a minute. Um, my body feels really overwhelmed at the moment, or I, I'm not feeling steady and stable, and I just need a couple of minutes. Is that okay? Can you give me a few minutes? So I just want to throw in that it can be a back and forth, that as you evolve and grow and learn, you are modeling that behavior for your children at an early age so that by the time they become teenagers, they might not be as dysregulated as some teenagers are because they've learned those skills all the way up into that point. Absolutely. I I just, and I want to just point out how there's a difference between how you'd mentioned unconscious. Many times we repeat um, or act in ways unconsciously that we just know or that we have learned or experienced from our upbringing or our environment and what we know and see. And then it's the practice, the constant process and practice, going back to what Erica was saying as well. And the time, like you were talking about Tyra, is um, stepping into, okay, I recognize that there needs to be a shift and change. It wasn't, is it working or hasn't worked for me? And how can I be present to and be conscious of how I can best support myself and my kids and be conscious in the way we speak and communicate our values that we have, the respect for ourselves and each other, um, all of those pieces as well, from being unconscious to working to being conscious of that, uh, to really being conscious of where we are, where those beliefs come from, uh, how we are feeling and how Therefore, it's then manifesting in our lives as well. So, yeah, it's that is such a huge part of the de-schooling process. Thomas, welcome to the stage. Do you have something you'd like to share or a question you'd like to ask? Uh, we'll, we'll pass the mic to you as well. Well, thanks, ladies. Um, can you hear me okay? I just pulled over. Yes, I can hear you. Okay, perfect, perfect. Hey, number one, just wanted to thank you, ladies. Um, wow, great to great to hear um, the process that you've gone through. Uh, I'll try and make this very brief. Um, I actually tuned in, uh, during, uh, Tyra and, uh, she used a word that, um, uh, was powerful and that word was freedom. And, um, you know, what I wanted to share, I'll just tell you briefly my story and I'll keep it very brief. I promise. Um, but if you haven't, and this is what I wanted to share with your audience, if you haven't, uh, read or listened to Peter Gray's book, uh, Free to Learn. Um, if you're an educator, you might end up um, leaving your position or your post as a, as a compulsory school educator. Um, I follow everything Peter Gray um, does and says. He's a, 
teach, uh, professor at Boston College, and once you start reading all of his articles that he posts on Psychology Today, it'll fundamentally change everything uh, about dealing with uh, students. Um, I am a homeschool, um, de-school um, dad. Um, my kids are all grown now. Um, uh, the funny thing is I was a public school student myself, uh, really struggled, um, didn't learn the way other kids learned. I didn't find out till I was about 30 that, you know, I'm an auditory learner. And um, if I had learned that as a child, it would have changed my life. Um, but, you know, taking our own children through, my, my sister who has a PhD in education and she assesses over 600 students in Pennsylvania in homeschooling, uh, my first comment to her when she said, you should really consider homeschooling when my daughter was one, I was 23 now. I said, I don't want any of those weird homeschooled kids in my house. And uh, it was a, a silly, foolish thing for a 24-year-old um, uh, man with a, you know, still growing brain to say, because it's probably the best thing that's ever happened. I've got, we have one that uh, changes engines on F-35 fighter jets in the Air Force, one that's in the Marine Corps, uh, one that runs a restaurant of 50 people at the age of 23. She's the general manager. Uh, and these are just all uh, kids that really just did what they wanted to do. And um, to me, that's just so darn important. I love some of the concepts that you're talking about here. Uh, you know, that subconscious programming, you know, the brain does, they estimate 10 quadrillion things per second. Not even sure what that means, but they say that the subconscious mind makes 96 to 97% of all your conscious decisions today. Um, and when you talk about everything that you talk about and every motion and action uh, that a child absorbs as their neurology is just wiring at an unbelievable pace. Um, they just bring it all in. And unfortunately, everyone on this call, or most of you, I would say, you're the products of compulsory education that um, has just devastated our children. You know, I spend, I, I just was on a stage for the last two days. Um, I spend my life talking to kids in the public school system spoken to over 2 million students face-to-face. -face. Uh, today I was in a school with, it was the coolest thing ever, and I'll kind of end on this because I said I wouldn't take much time. Um, I sneak and work in a lot of my stuff uh, in the public school system. Um, but one thing that has really eviscerated our children is we don't have age-mixed learning anymore. That's the way mammals learn. Um, and that's the way that they've learned for hundreds of thousands of years. And uh, so today I would spend time with 10th graders um, who they told me were very problematic. Greatest kids all year. I've been on the road since August the 24th almost every day. Um, but these 10th graders worked with second graders. And I watched these public school educators, tears run down their face and say, I had that kid in second grade and third grade and he was a nightmare. I can't believe the way he's working with these little kids. And unfortunately, one of the great things public school did or compulsory education did is they segregated kids by age, which is horrible to do to a mammal. So one of the great things about de-schooling, homeschooling, if you allow it, just allow your children to learn from each other, 
because little mammals in the entire mammalian kingdom look at mammals a couple years older than themselves and they try and replicate the behavior. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to drop Peter Gray's book in there. It's just a game changer, free to learn. Um, it's probably one of my top five favorite books. And I just wanted to thank you ladies for what you're doing and your stories. And most importantly, your courage, um, to, uh, do what you've done with your own children. I watched my wife cry and call me at work and say, I can't do this anymore. But today I don't think she would have it any other way, um, with our four kids. So, but, uh, thank you ladies for all that you do. Thomas Murphy, thank you so much. And you are always welcome back. We we love hearing from dads as well. And that's a very powerful story. And I think all of us on the stage love Peter Gray. <laughs> so you're, you know, it's like company here as well. We all, I'm sure we all probably have his book within reach of our bedside table or with our, from our office or wherever. So I Rob, think, Miss, Missy, you want to add something? Yeah, I, I do. I just thought it was really, yes, of course, Peter Gray, absolutely. I, if you love Peter Gray, you might want to check out John Taylor Gatto if you haven't. So that's another one that will kind of blow your socks off as far as somebody who worked in the school systems for many, many years and won Teacher of the Year Award for New York State and then wrote a letter of his resignation that was like very, very powerful. So just wanted to wanted to plug him. Robin, can I, I say something? Yeah, Tom? Apps, of course. Thomas, you're awesome. <laughs> and what you said is so true. I have seen it. Um, we were in a co-op um, ever since we started uh, homeschooling. So my daughter was in fifth grade. So when I, you know, loosened up and let her uh, enjoy her genius, my daughter at the age of, I think, um, our co-op started letting kids that were really good at something teach other kids. And my daughter had her first art class that she taught when she was 14 to her peers. And let me tell you, they so enjoyed her class. And they, you know, she taught little kids watercolor all the way up to her age and older. And um, as of today, one of those kids that she taught in our co-op, he is now in um, studying to be a graphic artist. Because of Zoe, he loved art. And, and, and Zoe talked to his mom and said, you know, you know as, as this was her student, she's like, you know, you need to give him more time <laughs> to do his art and drawing. You know, she was talking to a parent like this. So what you said, Thomas, is so profound. And I've seen it. Um, I do believe in letting other children teach other children. Thank you, everyone. I just want to say, Erica, are you still here? She has to exit out. She has another um, support, live support she's doing. Erica, did you want to yes. leave, say anything? Well, just a quick thank you. I appreciate being here. Thank you, everybody, for participating in this great conversation. Thomas, I love what you share. Tyra, Missy, Robin, thank you all for being here. And hopefully I'll be here in the next few conversations coming up. Absolutely. Take care. I hope so. Thanks, all Erica. Right. We'll thank talk you. to you soon.
Okay, we will continue. I'm trying to actually link uh, Peter Gray's book. I'll also link Psychology Today. He was actually a guest on my podcast a few years back, and I loved interviewing him. And it's you know it was one of the highlights as well. So I've shared that link above, and I will share a few of the other books and mentions too that we have here. Then we'll continue on to Beatrice and Gail, and then Tanya, and then I am going to turn hand raising off just so that we can be. Um, be aware of our time and uh, keep going forward here. So we will pass it to B. Hello, everyone, and thank you. This has been wonderful. I'm taking notes because I'm hiding on my own in a room with the children, and it feels really, oh, what a special time. Thank you. Um, my question and what I wanted to kind of ask and hear about from everyone is what happens when uh, – if you are in a partnership, so I have a husband, and the de-schooling has happened to different degrees. So even as we try to hold hands and do the parenting thing together, I might be one place and uh, he could be in a very different one. And I'm just curious, when, when that happens within uh, the homes of people here, kind of how people... Uh, find uh, reconciliation or how you connect because one of the things that I've started to do but I'm not sure if long term it's it's the best um, it's it's basically to speak to our children about the differences between my preferences and their father's preferences when it comes to learning so uh, David who's my my man he feels very anxious about Reuben was our eldest son learning how to read. And so he tries to support him doing that, which means tell him it's time to do that now and, and let's do that. But for him, it's figuring out a way to support him. And Ruben's eight. And I am much more on the other end of the spectrum and kind of wanted to just let Ruben have the experience of deciding when he wanted to learn what he wanted to learn. And so, so the question is maybe a little bit unclear, but um, has to do with how do you de-school, decondition as a community, uh, you know, who, who, who does the, the work to meet the other? How does that work get done, if that makes sense? I think that's a fantastic question, Beatrice. You always bring great questions. I'm going to pass it to Missy and Tyra first, and then I can add on to what they have to share. Um. Tyra, is it okay if I roll? No, oh. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> well, there's a couple of things that just popped in, in my mind immediately. And I do know that when it comes to de-schooling process and, and parenting, there's, you know, there is some obvious overlap and then there's some obvious places where there's a, quite a divide. Um, and it really does go back to that conscious awareness where what is the fear? What is holding maybe your husband back what it, and it's I mean he obviously cares about your son and he wants him to be able to read because that's a super important skill in our in our society and, and in life in general um, so I will say my personal experience being in the classroom teaching for multiple years and also understanding just kind of the developmental differences in children boys do tend to read a little later and of course that's very broad but just generally speaking I have seen very consistently that tends to be the case my son was nine before he read independently. But when he did start reading, it was like he was reading. And it wasn't like these little, I mean, the little steps that he took, of course, to get there. 
um, were, you know, reading books together with me and working um, online and playing games. And then as the need arose for him to do more, he got better at those skills. Um, but I would, I would just go back to the basics and establish your why. What is it that you are, why are you doing homeschooling? What is so important about it that you would decide to do that for your family? And also living in the now tend to always project into the future. And that misses the moment that you can have right now with your kid. And so when you're constantly fretting about what's to come, you're not actually seeing what's happening now. And so maybe if those two things can kind of be sort of stay in the forefront. Um, and then I would always suggest doing a little bit of research, sometimes just reading an article or even a research paper that talks about the developmental stages of learning um, and reading. Peter Gray actually has a, a good um article on his page about reading and what that looks like in class and in school and what it looks like as a homeschool kid. And you can kind of see that there is some differences simply because if you're told you have to read every single day, you're probably going to learn it a little faster. Or if you have a little bit more flexibility in time, it comes in a more natural, organic way. Um, so those are the two things I just wanted to toss out. Tyra? No, I just, you know, Missy said it was amazing but what i would try to do beatrice is um you know i'm a i'm a game schooler at heart that's i love game schooling maybe your husband can just play games with them you know do fun things with them um i know a friend of mine karima has said that de-schooling is like a staycation <laughs> for you know and it's true you know you want to do things that are fun so maybe uh, I don't know, have them play some games with them, do fun things together. Um, I know when I told, talked to my husband about de-schooling, um, uh, he was, well, my husband's a little different. He was like, yeah, let's give that, let's do that because what you're doing isn't working. But he was kind of like, kind of like a wait and see. So I, we just started playing games and we were like, you know, come on, dad, let's play some games and of course, you know, he was her art teacher, so he did art stuff with her and projects, you know, it got him involved in her de-schooling process. And he was like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> this is going to work. And, you know, my husband just became like the, you know, expert on de-schooling. He just loved it. So, you know, maybe just have your husband start having fun with them. Um, I was actually going to say the next episode coming out, Beatrice, I don't know if you were you in the room or see through play. And it, I wasn't, but I'm kind of familiar. Okay, with. so that's I, I recorded that room, so that's gonna I'll air it as the next episode coming out this week. Actually, it was such a fantastic room. We were talking about being reading and writing, but it's actually the full foundation of literacy that begins from infancy and things like conversation, um, listening. Um, reading not actually words, but reading can be symbols, reading faces, reading the environment, um, understanding, all of those things that come into play to building that. Um, so, you know, sometimes it's also encouraging that we're, you're still supporting literacy, um, but maybe just doesn't look like a phonics book at the time. But the other thing I would say is, you know, this is part of the process as well. Sometimes it isn't easy, but it's being in partnership with, we're, we're in this process as a family. Every single member of our family has different experiences 
and rules and realities and things that we understand and see slightly different than the next person beside that. So that as well in my family includes my husband, includes my son, includes my daughter. And there are definitely times when my husband and I, you know, as much as we really, I do feel we're a lot on the same page. There's sometimes when we aren't, or maybe when we are, but we view things a little bit differently. We might be leading a little bit to different sides, or, um, you know, he might be further ahead in a process, and I mean, and or vice versa. Um, sometimes what I find is absolutely going back to talking about why. Why are we doing this and why it's important to each of us, but also being in that conversation with him as to why it's important for him, why, why unschooling or homeschooling is important for him. And he has his own reasons as well that we have our strong family values, but sometimes his reasons also are very dear to him through his own experiences while we're doing that. And, and, and hearing that, for me to hear that, many times gives me better perspective on where he's coming from. And then when I have better perspective on where he is coming from, then we're able to sometimes meet in the middle a little bit better, or uh, I'm able to support him in ways to, um, and our kids to, you know, to, to help him feel more comfortable with many times it's the concerns and fears, right? So I think for my husband, it was math was one thing. And, you know, my husband, um, he was homeschooled up until junior high, I think grade eight, he went back to school. And one of his things was, uh, you know, he felt like he didn't do enough math because then he was a system and he felt a bit behind on his math lesson because he didn't do the traditional type of math. But then there happens that he understands now as an adult that didn't support him in, you know, he needed more support that he just didn't get at the time. Now he understands that. He can see it from that perspective. But what happened at first when we started homeschooling, particularly unschooling, was it was a fear that was playing out in our home education, like in our, in our family. And so him being able to voice that and to share his concerns with our kids and us helped us to also um, meet him a bit in the middle and say, you know what, you know, this is what, these are the things that we did today that were math, that supported math. Or, um, you know, or inviting him into the conversation with them and saying, well, you know, do you want to do some stuff that maybe you feel is important? You can do it with the kids and I'll step out, I'll step away. Because sometimes also what happens is the dads see that, you know, there's, or a parent, one parent has a strong role in the home educating uh, environment and the other parent can sometimes be on the outside looking in. So, and sometimes it's also the invitation of shifting that role and saying, I, I want to invite you to let's trade places. Um, and maybe you can give better support at that than I can. Um, and a help also, you know, what other ways do you think you could help that maybe I'm not able to do that right now? So, but the bit is the conversation. Um, and still, so you're both going back to what's important why, what values this unschooling process, uh, homeschooling, learning in this environment. And, you know, again, why are we doing this? Know your why, then the things that you're choosing to do, you're, you realize, okay, this supports why we're, our why. Or maybe we're doing this because 
of some other reason, it actually doesn't support our why. Maybe it is time to shift. Uh, and then it's also getting everybody as part of in the part as part of that conversation. So again, it's the family is moving towards that together. Does that make a little bit? I guess we all give you a little a bit of but. Um, no, I, I really appreciate that, and uh, it reminded me of what I think. Erica, who was here earlier, was talking about our own triggers because as you described the triggers of the other partner, there's also all my triggers. So I am nervous that Ruben doesn't have an experience of strength in his um, choices because that's from my history, yes, ab- right? So absolutely, yeah. And, and then it's really hard though because I'm also like, but I, I am right. <laughs> we all want to be right, right? <laughs> right. But it's also still informed by it's from a place of fear, right? So it's very it's kind of the danger of the trailblazing and doing things so radically different culturally and not just kind of having that nice calm nervous system being passed on. I don't know where that exists, but but the nervous system for most of us is pretty not calm. And so even as I watch my husband's fear, I'm like, well, here we are, both afraid, but I think I'm right. <laughs> but but the exploration and as you're describing you know of those whys and then also you know the the choice the overarching choice of staying together in community and so agreeing that it is the reality that we're in so there will be elements that shape the way we raise our children that are also determined by fear as long as that's not the main you know fear of them running under a car or like you know just things that are actually keeping us a little bit more alert than if we were completely fearless. I want to move towards fearless, but I'm not there. Um, But that was really, really helpful. Um, Yeah, thank you. I want to let somebody else speak. Thank you very much, everyone. Thanks, Beatrice. You always bring such great questions. Good to see you. It's been a while. Yeah, it has. I'm so happy I saw the, the room pop up. Um, and, uh, it's such a wonderful conversation. I had to jump in when you were talking about books and, uh, Peter, um, Gray and, uh, mentioned too, that the 30th anniversary of the teenage liberation handbook is now out. Grace um, Llewellyn, thank you. Yes, she's fabulous. And, um, and also the, uh, anniversary edition of Teach Your Own by John Holt. So both of those have been updated and now are available. And uh, they're, they're just amazing um, as, as usual, but even more so. Um, they are staples in, in our libraries. Um, and, and I wanted to mention another resource that when we were talking about reading, um, in, in my experience, now I have five you know, six kids and, uh, I'm a trauma treatment foster parent and I, um, unschooled, uh, my kids and they were very diverse and, and, uh, boy, do I feel that, oh my gosh, I've been there. Uh, I've been through all that worry and anxiety and, and I'm on the other side of that now. And I can honestly say, you know, relax, relax relax. It's all going to be fine. Because 
<clears throat> I've been through with different kids so many extreme situations and some not so extreme, some normal ones, but they're all still alive. They're all happy. They're all doing what they love. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and that's the important part, right? That they're, they're still with us and happy. So <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to clap, but I notice my clapping function and turns everyone on and off for me. So yes. Oh, that's weird. Um, yeah. So, um, and I mean extreme uh, situations. But my one of my big fears uh, starting this was um, because of my own experience. But I, I won't take forever to tell you my story. But anyway, um, there's an exceptional website called ChildrenOfTheCode.org, and that has been around for a long time. They've updated. The videos are really, really exceptional. And and you may initially think you know what they're going to say, but I would really highly advise listening to them anyway. And you may be surprised uh, because it explains a lot about learning and the difference between language and like verbal language and written um, reading language, um, and and the fear. So uh, there's so much shame in the system of comparing kids um, because they're all you know sorted by date of manufacture, right? And uh, and they're all expected to do the same thing. But of course, we know that they will get it when they're ready, that their brains develop differently, they process things differently. And even in my, my trauma um, training, um, if a child, uh, let's say a boy and a girl at the exact same age experience the exact same trauma, their brains will be um, differently affected in growth in different areas, whether they're male or female. So, and this is phenomenally interesting because our brains do work differently. And I also know a child that has 60% of her brain calcified and you would not know it because the other parts of her brain have taken over for the parts that have been calcified. So it is entirely possible to retrain or, or reconnect those things that we need. And, and with love, support, and, and um, acceptance of who they are and not trying to expect them to be like every other kid their age. Um, we have to change our expectations, challenge our assumptions. And we've all been... Um, taught by the school system. I think my favorite quote now is from uh, Skip College. I don't know if you've read that one, Robin. John Taylor Gatto's chapter Skip. two, Skip College. Yeah. And, and uh, so my favorite quote from that book is a bunch of different authors. Uh, it's edited uh, together, but is you, we were taught to be taught. So we learned to be led. 
And that really hit me because it's so true. We've been conditioned by people who we don't know their motives. We don't know why they created, well, most people don't know why they created the system that's created. And so we just follow blindly until we have a a situation or a trigger that makes us stop and say, hey, wait a minute, this isn't working for us. And we need to recognize uh, value and acknowledge those situations as real and have the confidence that has been removed from us um, strategically by the conditioning of the school system. So this is um, pioneering. Even though it's been going on for decades, every single person that recognizes that they need to do something different, they need to de-school, they need to, to challenge the system or their assumptions, they are a pioneer. They are venturing out and looking for like-minded people for support and acceptance and, and uh, encouragement. So I love that you guys are always out uh, there for these, for all of us. And uh, thank you so much for everything you do. Thank you so much, Gail. And I shared Children of the Code above. So if anybody, the website, so anyone can tap on the pin, pin, pinned link above to make it a little bit easier. Yeah, if you wanted schooling school. If you want to so, know why, yeah. oh, sorry. If you want to no, know how we got good. the English that we have now, where it came from, how it changed over the years. There's great historical information on that, uh, why you have the O-U-G-H if you're in Canada like me or Britain, you know, and, and so many other things that will give you, and, and it's exactly what it is. It's a code. And, and we are the children of the code. We need to decode the language so that we can understand it and pass it on appropriately and where it changed and how it became what it is. So I'm a closet linguist. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm gonna, I will go through that. Thank you. That's uh, yeah, that is absolutely fascinating. And I, I love what you said about acknowledging those situations as real, because I do think that the, the system was created for there's specific reasons. Um, and it still continues its purpose <laughs> in more ways than one uh, for the reason why it was created. So many of us, you know, it, it's one of the, and that's, an, I think, another conversation as well. But um, school still works. School works. We're thinking school's not working. I actually think school works. It's still, it's still um, doing its purpose. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a different way to look at it for sure. Uh, so I want to also recognize Jen to the stage. Jen, thank you for coming up. I see you have your party hat, excuse me, um, which means you're new to Clubhouse. So welcome and thanks for, you know, stepping up and raising your hand. Do you have a question that you'd like to ask or a story? Thank you. Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay? Yes, I can hear you very well. Okay. I think I'm just looking for a bit of advice or encouragement. I'm in my second year homeschooling my 15 and 11 year old, and I'm very intrigued with unschooling. I've had conversations with them about what that can look like. And they, um, probably because I've been in the public school system, are really out to lunch on what would I even want to learn about. And we have not properly gone through the de-schooling process. Um, I know left to their own devices, they would be on video games 24-7. 
and I feel like I want more for them than that. So I guess I'm looking for advice on how to help them discover what other interests or passions they could possibly have and how to help them think about what am I interested in and what do I want to learn about if they're given that power. Ooh, okay. And <laughs> it's deep. Well, no, you're at the right place, but it, yeah, absolutely. It's a conversation that is, um, and you're, you're stepping in the you're stepping into the right path as well. Um, so, yeah, and we're, all three of us are unschooling parents. So there you go. We all have teenagers. Um, Missy and Tyra, I'm going to let you guys an- answer that first. So Tyra and then Missy, I'll let, I'll let you both address. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, I, I may be, uh, may not want to hear this, Jen, but (laughs) my daughter played video games and I let her. Um, but I also, and I hate to introduce a new word, but I became like a professional strewer. (laughs) I strewed things, which means I observed her in this, in the de-schooling process. And I watched what she naturally wanted to learn, what she went towards. And, you know, I asked, I talked to her. I asked her, I asked her, what do you find interesting? What do you want to learn about? What, you know, lights you up? What do you want to explore? And she would tell me, I would go to Hobby Lobby. I would go online and I would just put kits out, you know, or what I did is I would get, I got like um, drawers or boxes and I labeled them like the different things that she was interested in. I, she would open it up and there would be like a project in it or something. But I did also let her play video games. And she told me years later that because of how I let her play so much, she also played with her dad, is that that's what helped her to um, do character development for her, for her comic book, for her characters, you know? So, I mean, you know, Game, um, you know, playing video games is not so bad, you know, but also trust them to, um, to do other things, but, you know, to kind of, you know, see what they like, you have to observe them and ask them and then, you know, put things out. I'm not necessarily make them do it, but just put them out so they can see it and just to pique their interest. So, um, I hope that that kind of answered your question. Hey, um, so there's a ton. There's a, so much I want to say, but I'm going to really, I'm going to nut, nuts and bolts it here. Um, their ages, based on what I have seen with kids in that age, that, that age range, they have different needs and they have probably different interests. And um, so I would suggest making sure that you really intimately understand their personalities and their, what makes them tick. What are they, what are they grab? What are they what do they gravitate towards? What makes them happy? And so these are questions that you can ask yourself. And I've encouraged people for many, many years to just get notebooks on each child or take a notebook and just start writing notes. You become an observer. You really literally are taking, you're collecting data on your children. Because when we live, when as we're living and learning, we're also busy. So our minds aren't necessarily keyed into specific things. You might notice what your children enjoy, um, but do you really, really know? And so that would be, 
I, I've taken my kids out to lunch and to like have coffees and we'll have chit chats about things that they might want to put on the calendar for the, for the next couple of months or with my son who is 19 now. I don't know if you heard that part, but he's now officially finished from our homeschool. And, um, he and I sat down at around 14, 15 and we discussed the plans and we talked about what he was envisioning. And, um, I told him, you know, my role was to support him and guide and offer, my assistance whenever was needed and also to back up. As far as the gaming goes, um, it's almost, especially for kids who've never really had that flexibility and freedom to just sort of play and then stop and play and stop. It is kind of like the forbidden fruit. And now that there's a chance to just play, there may be a, a large chunk of time where it is like that's all they do because it's almost like kids who are never given sweets and then all of a sudden they can, they're going to eat a whole cake when they sit down with one. Um, it, it's kind of the same idea. Like, oh my goodness, I have no limits around this now, but I always have limits. So I'm just going to keep playing and playing and playing until the limit comes in. Um, so I don't think it's wrong to just sit and have a conversation about where your anxiety about it is and what your fear about it is. Um, but maybe kind of figure it out yourself before you sit with your kids and discuss it. And, and you're going from one type of way of living to another one and they are different. Um, and they offer very different experiences. And if you go from strict, not strict, but a very scheduled, structured schooling model to an unschooling model, it can kind of feel like you just got picked up and thrown out into the ocean. And now you have all of this space and it can feel kind of scary because you've been kind of used to parameters and maybe walls and containers. And now you don't have those. Um, so I, I would I would encourage a lot of conversation, um, sitting with your kids one-on-one, -on -one, just finding what it is that they really do enjoy and making an intentional effort to do those things as you kind of work through the de-schooling process. Um, yeah. So hope that helps. Robin, can I ask, can I say something to Missy real quick? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just want to quickly say one thing. Oh. I've been trying to quickly add different pin um, episodes up top. Jen, um, from the podcast, I have a ton on unschooling. So if anyone's looking up top, that's why they're changing. I'm just trying to share different ones as Missy and Tyra are sharing there. So. Oh, no problem. Um, I was just going to say, Missy, <laughs> you and I did the exact same thing during the de-schooling <laughs> period. I would take my daughter out to lunch or out to dinner. Her favorite place was, um, we would either go to TGIF or Chili's and she would have her notebook and I would have mine. And Jen, what we would do is I, I, I would call it our business meetings, you know, just to make it like it was a professional. <laughs> she would sit down and she would make a list of just all these things she wanted to learn and how she wanted to learn it and when she wanted to learn it. And I would have a list too, you know, and it, she, you know, she could freely learn whatever she wanted to learn. And if she didn't even look at that list, but she still did learning on her own, that was fine. But at least she had something written down that, this is what I would like to learn. And so she could go down the list and if, if she, if it was in her mind and she'd be like, Oh, okay. You know, or mom, can you help me to learn this? Or, and where I live more than likely, always more than likely, but I never told her 
they would always fall under something that she was supposed to learn, you know, for, a, uh, you know, because this was then when she was like 12, I, we started this, 12, 13. So this would go under like certain subjects. So you'd be surprised all the different things that they want to explore and learn that is just, it's just amazing how it just like it can just line up to so that you know that that it didn't take my fears completely away, but I you actually saw them learning, and it, it's just amazing it, because it was not learning. It does it looks nothing like it did in public school. That is the main thing that we have to get over, is that it, the learning and unschooling or the learning just in homeschooling is not going to be the same in public school. And that is okay. Yeah, I, I think it, Missy and Tyra share great advice. Um, and Jen, I invite you to come back to another room. We actually just had a room, uh, an unschooling panel, and we're going to do it again as well. Uh, and we, it was all veteran unschooling parents, and we would like to continue doing Q&A and, and answering questions like these because it's actually a deeper conversation, and it's, but it's absolutely a de-schooling conversation. Your kids are 15 and 11, so they've been, really, they've been raised so far in an environment where they haven't had a chance to be self-directed. And if you've never had a chance to be self-directed, again, it's a practice and process that you, you have to learn. And in order to do that, you need a chance to do that. Um, and for some of us, we, you know, we can just step into it and, and be open to it very quickly because it's something we really need it. There's been something missing that it supports that, it, that we need to be able to have that voice and autonomy. But for some others of us, we need to do things a little bit at a time and step by step. Um, and I think it's finding that balance for your family as well. Uh, and like what Missy said, they're probably exercising that freedom. They, you know, it's like, you know, you get it. You're like, I've never had cake before. Yes, I'm going to have as much cake because the biggest fear what happens is you don't know when you're going to get it again. So what you want to do is get as much of it in as you can before it's taken away, because that's been what you've experienced before. So, you know, the, my suggestion would be to just learn more about the de-schooling and unschooling process. Um, there, we've mentioned great books today, Free to Learn by Peter Gray. John Holt is fantastic. Um, Gina Riley uh, has some her, her academic published one. Um, Akilah S. Richards. Um, I'm just naming off the top of my head books that I know that are fantastic on uh, unschooling. You guys fill me in, fill in any that, that I'm missing as well. On my podcast, there's a ton of um, interviews as well. Missy, what are some that I've missed here? I was going to throw out Carrie McDonald's Unschooled. Yes, Unschooled. Yeah, that's yes. That's a really good one. Um, and in my resources page, I have most of those books and or interviews listed on my resource page on my website as well. I'll put that at the top. Um, so learn about it. And then also journal. Like, you know, Missy and Tyra were talking about um, journal about that process, but journal about the things that your kids are doing and the conversations that you have. And you back to, you know, what are your beliefs of learning? You know, going back to where does that come from? Why do I believe that learning has to be a certain, certain way? 
And have I seen that as a different practice in my life? Why or why not? And, but the biggest thing I think that we sometimes forget about the de-schooling process, the gift of it, and that homeschooling and unschooling offers us, which is very different from the classroom, is the chance to really make those relationships and connections. And actually, that's what it's about. It's not about the marks and achievement. It's about the relationships and connections and building that foundation first. So then the learning becomes more natural. If you feel more safe, you want to make mistakes, you can, you can come to you to ask questions. That's usually actually the key. And, you know, it's not really talked about with school, but it's relationships, relationships, relationships. This is your chance to connect with your kids, to have that time. And that's the blessing of that. That's the practice of that. So, um, you know, I, I, Tyra and Missy, or they both had said, you know, maybe ha have that conversation with them. You know, let them know what's uncomfortable for you with, with the screen time. Where can you guys meet in the middle? How can they practice their independence? But at the same time, the beauty of unschooling, and I think unschooling Judy Arnell gives the great definition, is unschooling is when the learner decides what, where, when, and how they want to learn. So having that date with them or that business meeting and saying, okay, you know, if you could, you know, whatever you, whatever this looks like, what's your vision? Like, don't hold back. What would you like to do? What would you like to see? What would you like to learn? Just tell, like, and write that all down and let them just like go crazy with it and, and get excited about it. Cause that's the whole thing. We want to get excited about it. We want to be excited with them in that process. And, and just say, okay, if this, you know, what it could look like, whatever you want, no hold swars, what would that look like? And allow them to share and get that down. And then you say, okay, so maybe we can chunk it down and start small. Where are some places that I can help support you in this? What do you need to do this? And look at it from there. Um, so <laughs> there's a few suggestions. I hope it helps. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much. There's a link at the top. I know I'm getting a few questions in the back chat too. There's the resources page right there. Um, and that has a lot of the resources as well. But it's it's a process for us as parents just as much as it is for kids totally. as well. Totally, yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, we are past our time. I see my I'm, my husband has joined. You guys can see him in the audience. I, everyone's waiting for dinner here. So <laughs> we are going to close the room. Thank you so much for asking your questions. Tyra and Missy, thank you so much for joining us today. Would you like to leave us with anything, any other thoughts or anything like that as well? I, I guess... It, it, it just keep learning just keep you stay curious and your children will follow your lead and um it, it is it's a never done deal we're always evolving we're always learning and as long as you stay um excited about it joyful you know they'll, they'll see that so they follow what you do not what you say almost more more than <laughs> more like we, we talk more than we need to i guess is what i'm trying to say we all love to talk, don't we? <laughs> Robin, Robin, I think it is so funny that your husband is in the audience. Like he showed up like, yeah, it's time.
All right, Tyra, is there anything else you wanted to leave? Yeah, um, I, um, there is this quote from Akila Richards, because I have her book, and uh, it is just a gem. In fact, I, I was reading, and I wrote this down just to tell you, Robin, in the room, and this is what she says. This is just a quote. This is the quote I took out of her book. It says, and when education is forced and standardized, it stifles natural learning and the things to which learning inevitably leads. It kills creativity. This is what really got me because I had never heard these words together. She said, it chokes out confident autonomy. That was so deep to me because I was like, wow. And I had to really sit and think, what is confident autonomy? And that is like my, you know, that's Zoe um, having the confidence within herself because she was free to make the choices that she felt were the right choices for her without me saying anything. And I mean, and like what you said, if you want your kids like this, you know, to be this way when they get older, when are they supposed to start? So that's what I just want. Oh, that's a good one to leave us with. Thank you so much, Tyra. Love Akila. She's fantastic. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Missy. Thank you, Tyra. Thanks, Thank you, Robin. Take care, Take care Missy. Everybody. Take care, okay. Robin. Bye-bye, Tyra. We do have the replay. The replay of this room will be available for one week. So you can come back to the the club, honey, I'm home with the replay again. It will be available for a week. All right. Thank you, everyone. Have a great night. And Xander, I'm on the way for dinner. <laughs>